Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I am fired up for you that don't know this. We are going to be doing our very first conference in Amarillo, Texas, Sunday, July 28th, from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yes, I did say 1 to 10. It is going to be an enormous long day. So I want to give you the lineup. We're going to have Christy Austin. She's going to be speaking about kingdom transformation in the community. We have Bob Hassan, who also will be talking about people discovering how to honor can transform people's lives in their organizations. We're going to have Michael McIntyre from Dallas. He's helping people change mindsets and going to the next level in life. And then yours truly, I'm going to be releasing my very first, first, I said first, actually second book and how to speak God's words over your life and see radical transformation. And then here's the best part. Our friend Sean Bowles is going to be coming in and wrapping up the entire conference. So that being said, I'm going to hand it over to yours truly. Sean, take it away, my friend. I can't believe you said I'm the best part. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be talking about hearing God's voice for your, your world around you, especially business leaders, entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about hearing God's voice for real, for real, like we need to. Like you have to be a prophet if you're going to go in the marketplace. You have to hear from God. And so we're going to talk about, and when I say prophet, I don't mean in the weird old charismatic Pentecostal way. I'm saying we have to be a friend of God to know what he wants. And he he planned and pre-planned all these industries and all these things, our whole city, our whole nation, way before we ever entered into it, way before we ever manifested. So how do we hear his original plan and bring alignment between what was in his original heart and what we see today? And so we're going to, we're going to talk about discerning his heart, knowing his heart, hearing his heart. And it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be great. All right, Roar Nation. So check it out. Get on areyoureal.org. You can get on Eventbrite. It is the Kingdom Conference. Get your tickets. We're running some discounts. You get some of Sean's e-course. You get his book, my book. And uh, anyways, it's going to be a phenomenal time. So please get on there now. Get tickets while you can and have a blessed day. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here. And before we get started today, I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for taking the time to get on iTunes. I'm trying to get in the habit of uh, saying thank you because I ask you guys all the time to get on there, rate, review us. But um, this isn't a name, but their tag is JJBNM123 and uh, five stars. And they just said, uh, this has quickly become the best podcast to listen to. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time and jumping on there and give us a review. And uh, every week, we will try to uh, get back on there and say thank you to you guys. So right now, if you have a minute, jump on iTunes and leave us a review and share it with a friend. So anyways, that being said, I am fired up today. Uh, We have a special guest who is going to be bringing us some insight into what they're doing, some purpose, and helping uh, people discover uh, the word in their lives. So that being said, Dee, are you ready? I am. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So, Dee, why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Okay. Well, I have been writing for ever since I was in my 20s, and I'm now in my 70s, and I can't get over how the Word will transform a life. I see it happening in the prisons where I minister. I am working now with a church plant in an area of 
retired, rather wealthy people, and it impacts them. And it just always amazes me to see a life changed. Recently, I was able to lead a man and wife who just celebrated their 50th anniversary, and it has changed their marriage. And that is so fun to see. I bet. So uh, you've been writing a while. You almost got it down now, 50 years. I I should, (laughs) but (laughs) no, I'm still learning. (laughs) I bet you are. Okay. So we kind of dive, we'll we'll get into uh, your writing and stuff like that, but um, what, like on your journey uh, through life, has there been kind of an inspirational scripture or quote that has kind of led or direct you or just even maybe in this season? Yes, I think one of the biggest things happened about 10 years ago when I began to understand heart idols and I realized that I was a recovering idolater. And um, there's so many verses about idolatry, but I never thought they had anything to do with me because I didn't worship statues. Um, But I began to understand what Ezekiel calls idols of the heart. And I began to understand that whole scripture about how he turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Because, John, I was losing administrative assistance, and I always thought it was their fault. But um, I began to understand through the word, through a great sermon on heart idols, that I was a manipulator. And um, I was wanting to be in control instead of allowing God to be in control and dealing with people the way he tells me to. And that was a huge turnaround. And um, my book, Idol Lies, which is uh, 10 years old now, has transformed so many lives because I don't think most people really understand idolatry. I'm really excited about this. I can't even believe you just brought this up. Um, Seriously. So uh, we are doing our first conference, uh, July 28th. Okay. I was going to be speaking on my book that's releasing about hearing God's voice. And um, literally, I was spending some quiet time with the Lord and he changed my entire topic, which I thought I was going to be talking on my book is now turned into idols of the heart, oh my. which is crazy. Uh, but the Lord took me to second Kings. I don't know the passage right now, but where Josiah heard the scripture, uh, his nightly reader read him the Torah cause they found the, they found the scriptures in the temple. Yes. It says Josiah Torah's close. And, uh, basically he repented, went before God. And, uh, so he goes throughout the land and tears down all the idols. And what the Lord was showing me uh, for me personally was uh, uh, hurts and wounds and things that we just allow in our heart uh, to become idols. Because like you, I've always thought of, or I don't know if you said this, but for me, I thought of idols as like, you know, Greek gods or statues right. or different things. Um, I would be honored and just blessed if you would just go into the in-depth of that because um I, I feel like that's something that I'm going to be sharing at my conference because I, the reason is, is I feel like we can't move forward in our walk uh, of who the father is. If we have a distorted view of who he is, because we're idolizing other things. Right. Well, the way I see it, and I've had a lot of help from Tim Keller is that we have desires 
that he gave us and that he promises to meet. We want to feel secure. We want to feel comfortable. We want to feel like life is not of control. But if we do not trust him to meet those needs, we find our own way of meeting those needs. And that is a heart idol. We run um, to other things, even good things like friends or Facebook or food, um, and try to make them our God. In my case, um, what brought my awareness was pain and that I kept losing administrative assistance. And I remember lamenting to my friend Jan Silvius about these women who kept quitting. And she said, seems to be a pattern in your life. And that was a huge wake-up call. And then I heard a sermon on Martha of Bethany by a man named Jim Om, who used to be with Redeemer um, Presbyterian Church in New York. And he said Martha was a manipulator and that she had a control idol. But the bad fruit of her control idol was manipulation. And he talked about how she used guilt and sideways comments. And I always thought guilt and sideways comments were a pretty good idea. And uh, I just really became convicted, and I realized that the sin beneath my sin and the reason I was losing administrative assistance was that I was not allowing God to be control. I was not speaking the truth in love or overlooking sins. I was manipulating. And now it has helped me, John. It helped me lose weight because I realized the sin beneath my sin was comfort. I wasn't trusting God to comfort me. And it is releasing people to understand why they do the things they do. I think so often as Christians, we attack the symptom. If we get too angry or if we eat too much or if we spend too much, we say, I'll get a punching ball, I'll get a better diet, I'll get a better budget but we're not looking at the heart idol, what we are running to instead of God. That's really good, Dee. Um, I want to back up and kind of ask you some things. You, you talked about, you said that you were using guilt and, and sideways comments. Yes. Um, if you don't mind, will you kind of elaborate on that? As sure. Things, things you said or did? Sure. Um, well, Let's say that my administrative assistant would come in late for work. And the two options that God gives is either just to overlook it because it's not a pattern or to confront her in love. But I got a little nervous about confronting. So I knew how to sound really nice, but still be sideways. Like I would say, is everything okay at home? And what I was really saying is, why are you late? Will you please give me an explanation? And often she would sideways me right back and say, everything's great. Thank you so much for caring. And then we'd be angry with each other. And our relationship would kind of go into a downward spiral. Or I would just make her feel guilty about something minor so that I thought maybe she'd be more pliable to me. You know, just sin, sin, sin. But I didn't see it. I was blind to it. I kept thinking it was her. Okay. So what has the Lord showed you that? What is the proper way? Because I, I think you're kind of diving into leadership too, because a lot of times people, I don't care if you're a boss or right. a manager right. or anything, what, what has the Lord showed you? What is a proper way of dealing with that? Yes, the proper way is either if something upsets you to say this isn't a big deal, it isn't a pattern, just overlook it in love. Or if it is a pattern and it is upsetting, 
then you sit down and you speak the truth in love directly. And um, there's ways to be diplomatic. You know, I am feeling this. Maybe I'm not understanding something. Can you help me understand? But confront it in love. Don't do the sideways and don't do guilt because that just destroys relationships. Absolutely. So I'm curious for you, Dee, um, once your friend brought that up to you in your life as a pattern and then you were able to allow the Lord to see that idol and you shifted, what was the change that occurred in your life after that? Well, as far as administrative assistant, the longest I'd ever kept an administrative assistant was three years. And then my next administrative assistant lasted seven years and the next one is still with me. So... (laughs) Uh, it was huge. I mean, and, and it's such a sweeter relationship. And it also changed my relationship with my five adult children. I have a daughter who says, Mom, you are so much better. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. That's a little like when you've lost 10 pounds and somebody says, you've lost a ton. And you say, not a ton. But I am better. I am different. And I'm happier. And my relationships are sweeter. And I'm not quenching the Spirit of God. In that area. <laughs> yeah, we all got areas. That's really good. Okay, um, so Dee, why don't you talk about your journey a little bit going back? We're going to go back 50 years, um, and we don't have to hit all the highlights, but I'm just kind of curious as far as you getting into writing. Obviously, sure. that was something you felt gifted at. Why don't you talk about kind of why you felt compelled to write in those areas and how you kind of launched your career got into that? Well, I was just very fortunate, and the Lord opened the door for me. I am so old, I was looking for a Bible study, and nobody was writing Bible studies, believe it or not, when I began in my late 20s. And I just thought it would be nice to have a Bible study where they could do homework. And so I wrote a guide called Proverbs and Parables for a young group of women that were all married to medical residents. And it was evangelistic, and it also helped them to raise their children. And somebody suggested I try to get it published, but nobody was doing Bible study guides at that time. Um, But about a year later, I was um, listening to Christian radio and reading Christianity Today, and the late Paul Little came over and said, somebody's finally doing some good Bible studies. They're the fishermen Bible studies. And um, so I looked up Fisherman Bible Study Guides, and that was the beginning for me. <laughs> wow. Okay, so as you started doing that, what kind of what kind of doors did the Lord open up for you as you, as you saw that? You kind of, it sounded like you were just kind of faithful with your gift. You felt compelled to go in that area. Yes. Um, how did the Lord honor that, or what happened with that? Well, the Fisherman Bible Studies were very inductive. They didn't want you to do any editorial comment. But when I did a study guide on friendship, there was so much I was learning. I kept putting little editorial comments in. And my editor at the time, who was poet Lucy Shaw, said, D, write a book. And that led to the Friendships of Women. And that was when Focus on the Family with Dobson was kind of at its peak. And he had me on. And that opened all kinds of doors for me in speaking and writing. And that book took off. And I was just blessed, John. I really was. So I'm curious, I was having this conversation with my wife this morning, and uh, this brings me to the comment you just made. So I feel like in business, from a world's perspective, 
we're supposed to, and I'm coming at it from a world's view, like we're supposed to promote ourselves, get our stuff out there, have connections, um, all the things that you would read in a good business book. Mm-hmm. And then there's this balance between, I feel like is God's children. We don't need to strive uh, so much as far because we don't have to promote ourselves because God promotes us. And there's this kind of this balance. And I'm just curious, did you ever feel the need to kind of promote yourself and do stuff and, and push yourself out there? Or did you just feel like the Lord just really opened that up for you? And it, you were just faithful with what you had and those doors opened because, and the reason I'm asking that D is I really feel like this younger generation coming up with social media and all that stuff. That's what they see. Yes. And I'm just curious to your example of, of what, how that looked for you? Well, I've definitely felt that tension um, because publishers are eager for you to promote yourself too and want to know how many Facebook followers you have and all that. So I felt that tension and I think I did more self-promotion when I was younger, but I have really come to trust that if I'm faithful in little things, God opens other doors. And that's really where I want to be now. Um, And, but but people might say that's easy for you to say because you already have a platform, so you're not sympathetic. But um, I do feel that he will put me where he wants to. And I've also found as my Bible studies get deeper, as I grow as a believer, and as my books get deeper, I don't have the same um, number of sales. But that's okay. (laughs) because I'm reaching a deeper audience and um, I have to be content with that. And I am. I'm curious. Do do you feel like because you've given that to the Lord, do you feel like you've had, like you're not striving as much anymore and it's more fruitful or do you feel like there's been somewhat of a sacrifice as far as you had mentioned, maybe your sales aren't as much, but maybe feel more content. I do feel content and I feel that I can just trust him in this and that um, it could be that I'm not reaching as many people, but I'm reaching people that um, are deep and fruitful themselves. Yeah. So when you talk about people, do you feel like what, what they call is like your tribe per se or your group of people? So do you feel like you have a better connection now? with that group because it's more of who you are instead of casting this broad net Uh that that now it's kind of more, again, I guess your tribe or the people you're supposed to be with. That's an interesting question. I do think that's probably true, John. Um, And I have a quite a bit of, I have a weekly Bible study that I post on my website and I am amazed at the depth of the people that participate in that. And that's fun. Um, because they help me grow too. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, so do I want to go down? Um, you're going to have several stories that probably come to mind, uh, over the years, but I call this kind of like, it couldn't be worse than this moment. And what I mean by that is I always use the parable or, or the biblical example of when Moses was standing in front of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. So God called him to, obviously lead the Israelites and to bring freedom to them uh, at at quite a cost. But he's standing at the Red Sea and he's got Pharaoh behind him about to kill him. And he's got a large body of water in front of him that 
obviously he doesn't have any boats. There's, there's nothing he can physically do to get through it. Right. And I'm just curious in your life through your journey with the Lord, as you look back and, and we've been talking about trust, mm-hmm. has there been some places in your life where you thought it could not get worse than this? And father, you're going to just have to show up and do a miraculous something for me to get through this. And I want to hear that story because I feel like there's so much inspiration and hope in those stories because he does always show up, but it takes unfortunately years of walking with him to uh, get to that place of trust. Sure. Well, as the mother of five children, there were many Red Sea moments. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) One was when our second son, John, became a teenager and he met some older friends at work and began to climb out of his window in the middle of the night to join them. And they were drinking and driving, and we really couldn't control him. (laughs) And um, my sister suggested that we fast for him, and we did that. And a famous Nebraska football player happened to come and spend the night with us one night. And he stayed up with John until 2 in the morning talking to him, And John had a dramatic return to the Lord the next morning. That was definitely a Red Sea opening that I did not orchestrate, but just asked the Lord to. And he has been walking with the Lord ever since. I love that because obviously because you fasted, I like how the Lord brought somebody in, uh, somebody else um, for you in that instance. Um, So I'm curious, D. I have three teenagers. I got one headed to college. And you know what was funny? And and I'm just going to be brutally honest right now. And I I think this is going to hit home for some people and it may not for others. But I remember being young in my early 20s. And I would look at pastors and other people and think that like, well, how if they were good parents and they were good Christians, how, how could their kids you know, party or do stuff like that, or don't they know better? Or right. is a very hypocritical, very judgmental spirit. I was, I was definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been very fortunate uh, with my kids, uh, knock on wood, not to have to deal with that stuff yet, or hopefully ever. But you know, what I realized is we, our kids have their own free will and whether or not we're, we're good parents or we're not, our kids still have choices and they get to make choices and I'm just curious, did you ever deal with that as far as, you know, you felt like, well, maybe I'm not a good parent or maybe I wasn't doing a good job because my kids are doing stuff that I've taught them better. I'm just curious. It just, that's what yeah. comes to my mind when I think of these things. Right. Well, somebody told me once that God lost a third of his angels and he was a perfect parent. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good quote. (laughs) And I know of some wonderful parents, too, whose children um, at this point don't seem to be walking with the Lord. So, yes, I think we are humbled by parenting um, and uh, that we need to realize that they do have free will. And it's not the end of the story either. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. So D going back um, at some points, did you like kind of realize or you felt like this is what you were created to do? Obviously going back to the early beginnings, as far as writing Bible studies and stuff like that, where you kind of felt like, Hey, this is, this is my purpose in life. Or you really felt called to that. Did you have a moment like that? Well, I I do feel 
that God has opened doors and that people's lives are being changed. There's times when you have writer's block and you think, okay, is it over? Um, I'm in that place right now. <laughs> um, but I've also learned that as I look back, if I wait on him, he'll come and bring me something eventually. But there's been times, John, when because I love to write, I will write before he's given me something to write about. And it's not good because um, I just have trouble waiting on him. So um, I don't know that I kind of went on a tangent with your No, question. no, no, Dee. I, th I think that's really good. Uh, no, I, I'm glad you brought that up because... I think a lot of us do. I really do. I'm a, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, I was going to say Enneagram, but that's not what I was thinking of is that all oh, the disc chart, I'm a high D mm -hmm. and I always get ahead of myself. Yeah. And I have to stop and say, God, what are you doing? And, and I've even had people give me prophetic words and just come up to me in church and just, it wasn't a rebuke by any means. It was definitely love, but just saying, the, the, the Lord's just telling you, Hey, you need to slow down because you're ahead of him right now. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I get that. So, you know, what are some wisdom? What are some things that you've done? Because obviously you're gifted to write and you get excited and you want to write, but you realize it's just not what he's saying. So how have you, what did, what have you done with that? I know that well, Jesus says that the, Mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So I need to just be getting back into really rich, rich books and sermons and listening and fill up my heart with that. And eventually inspiration will come, um, but not just try to write on old things I knew before, but fill my heart up and be patient. It's hard, but yes. Well, that gives me hope. I mean, considering you're a couple years older than I am, you have, uh, you're dealing with it and you have the wisdom to walk through it. At least I know it's just not something <laughs> when you're younger and even got people that are uh, men and women, they're in their teens and twenties. I mean, that's just part of life. Yes. So, okay. Um, so D you've, you recently come out with a new book, um, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, The Jesus Who Surprises, uh, Opening Your Eyes to His Presence in All of Life and Scripture. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that book in kind of the backdrop of uh, why you're bringing that out? The backdrop is the walk to Emmaus when, after the resurrection, Jesus showed up next to two grieving disciples and hid himself from them. But he showed them how he was in all of the Old Testament, and he mentioned three areas, the books of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. So this book is divided into those three sections. We look at the books of Moses to see how the story began. We look at the Psalms to see how to live in this hard and challenging story. And then we look at the prophets, particularly Isaiah, to see how the story will end. And the other thing the book does, when we were young parents, Karen and David Maines introduced us to the God hunt, how to spy God in your everyday life and to teach it to your children. And I think that we need to be alert to be amazed to how God works. And so part of the Bible study is teaching people how to go on the God hunt for themselves and their children every day with unusual circumstances or timing, with a verse becoming radioactive, 
with an answer to prayer, with special means of grace. And at the beginning of each Bible study, you share your best God hunts for the week. And that is always an exciting time. And I think the thing that I, I love about the book, and I just finished doing the video with a group of uh, 21 women in uh, Columbus, Georgia, and have testimonies from them on how this whole concept impacted their lives. And what I love is that so often, I think people think of the Bible as just a series of different stories or rules, but seeing that it's one story from Genesis to Revelation, 66 books written by many different men over many centuries, most with no contact with each other, yet it's one story gives you great confidence that this is the book of God. And I love that. And, I, and he does surprise by showing up. Uh, I think every prophet, every priest, every slain lamb, every bridegroom points to a better prophet, priest, slain lamb, suffering servant. And that is exciting. And he does surprise us every day in different ways if we're alert. You know, it's funny you said that. It just It touched my heart. I was thinking um, just recently as I read, I just, I love the Old Testament because I feel like there's just so many foreshadows of Christ as, as we pick stuff out and we can see him hiding in the backdrop. And mm-hmm. you know, I made the comment the other day to somebody, I said, God has spent your entire life pursuing you. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what the Bible is showing us from Genesis to Revelation of him the father restoring humanity into its original position, like Genesis, restoring us into how he created us and pursuing us relentlessly with his love. I love that. I, one of the women that was in this pilot study whose testimony is on the video, these were all Southern women. And one of the questions I asked, I said, a lot of people don't want to read the Old Testament. They just want to concentrate on the new. And this is the illustration she gave. She said, would you start gone with the wind in the middle and, <laughs> miss, and miss how Rhett Butler pursued Scarlet, even though she was running after her idols? He kept pursuing her. And what she lost, she said, if you started it in the middle, you'd miss the whole point. <laughs> and I That's thought that was so good. Yeah, that's true. That is so funny. You know, I started in the the New Testament, obviously, years and years ago, as you get saved, and it's good to understand who we are. But as you get the opportunity to go back and you see how God just has relentlessly pursued his people constantly with love and grace and mercy to show them just there's a better way. When When you grasp that and not view it from the view of a mean angry God because he's just trying to bring them back into the place he called them to. It really changes your perspective of who he is and what he's trying to do. I think you've hit that exactly right. I think the reason we run to our idols is we do not trust the love of God for us. Yeah. And and it's hard. And, and I think even I've been on a journey for the last um, probably three to five years really understanding that. And I was talking to a good friend of mine. I said, it's funny how I just wrote an entire book on it and of about that. And I've been in this pursuit and you think you get to a place and I was in, uh, in my quiet time with the Lord, uh, about a week ago. 
And uh, I felt like I got hit with a spiritual two by four. And I just, I was reading a devotional, somebody's book, and it was just talking about faith. And I just asked the Lord, I said, Father, where, where do I lack in my faith? And I'm journaling and writing this and just dead as just felt it in my experience says, you've never trusted me. He said, you've, uh-huh. you've, he said, you've trusted me and believed me for other people. And you believe the miraculous for your wife and your family and your friends and you pray for them, but you've never believed that I would do it for you. Wow. And I thought, Oh, that hurt. And I told my friend that and he started laughing and he said, isn't that funny how you can write a book, you can do all that. And then he just starts peeling away the onion layers. Just <laughs> That's a great story. So, um, Hey, I want to ask you, D, as, as far as these, these God hunt stories, I, I love that. That's really exciting. Would you share a couple of those with us? Just like how maybe you either taught about it or some of the stories that you've seen in people's lives about things that we should look for just in everyday life, um, how God's showing up. I'd love to. One that happened, the last book I wrote is called He Calls You Beautiful, and it's on the Song of Songs. And it's seeing how the Song of Songs is not just about marriage, but is a picture of Jesus' love for us. And because I have this prison ministry, I was praying about what to share when I was going to speak. And I felt like the Lord said, teach them about the Song of Songs. Show them me in the Song of Songs. And so I decided to do that. But as I was driving, this was a prison in Milwaukee. It was a three-hour drive. I thought, what are you thinking, Dee? This this book is so difficult. They're going to go back to their cells, and they're going to read about how he loves her breasts, and they're going to think, what was that woman talking about? And so I almost didn't do it, except that I've often found that the first leading is the right leading, and then Satan gets in and tries to scare you. So I went into the prison, and I shared with them that the Song of Songs is a great love story of a shepherd king who falls in love with a peasant woman, but that it's also a picture of our great shepherd king who has fallen in love with us, and that the prevailing theme is that he keeps telling her she's beautiful, even though she feels very insecure about that. And this woman in the prison just started to weep so hard that I had to stop John and say, what's going on? And she said, All of my life, I have longed for someone to tell me I'm beautiful and that they love me. And she said, for whatever reason, it never happened when I was growing up. And I thought, when I get old enough, I am going to get men to tell me I am beautiful. And I'll do whatever if they'll just say that. And she said, that's what got me in here. But through this ministry, I came to Christ. And this morning, I was walking on the track. And I said, Lord, you are so beautiful And she said, I thought he said, Julia, you are beautiful. And I stopped and said, say it again. (laughs) He didn't. And she said, and then you come in here and open your Bible and say, he keeps saying, you are beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. She said, he said it again. And that was a God hunt for every woman in the prison that day and for me. And that's why we called it He Calls You Beautiful. I love that. I I think it's funny how much God loves us. So think about that was a journey for one. Okay. So think about the passage when he says he leaves the 99 to go get the one. Right. Right. And I'm thinking right now that 
it involved the people in that prison. Obviously, that was a message for everybody to hear, and the anointing was on it, so it ministered to everybody. But there's one person in that entire prison. Yes. He brings you two to three hours to go there right. just to minister that one thing to that one person because she needed to hear it. Yes. I mean, that is powerful just to think how loving and how pursuing he is that he would bring you out of your obedience all the way to touch that woman's heart because she yeah. needed to hear that. Yeah, I know it is. It is overwhelming because we so often think, how could he be aware of me when there's so many people in the world? But he is. Oh, man, I just feel Jesus all over that. Man. That's that's good. So. Okay. Um, Dee, what do you feel like in what you do? What do you feel like your biggest strength is? Well, I think that the Lord has given me a gifting to see how the Bible fits together. That seems to be a theme. My very first study guide was Proverbs and Parables. I wanted them to see how the same wisdom of the Old Testament was in the New. And uh, when I wrote The Friendships of Women, I was so struck by the pattern I saw throughout the friendships in Scripture that God zoomed his camera in on greeting scenes and parting scenes. And I remember even when I saw that, I said, Lord, help me to be at the bedside of my parents when they die. And, and I was, and at my husband's bedside too, because he showed me this pattern in Scripture. Parting scenes are important. Don't back away from them. And just again and again with my books, he's shown me how this, these different threads go all the way through Scripture. Wow, I love that. Um, what do you feel like your biggest weakness is? Well, I'm definitely a recovering idolater. <laughs> okay. And I definitely often run to the wrong things because I do not trust God to meet my need. But I'm aware of it now. Yeah. And that is huge to be aware of it and to stop and say to my soul, why are you doing this? You know, it's just it's going to bring you pain and cut you to pieces. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, it does. It makes, a, it makes a huge difference. Okay. Um, as we kind of start to wrap up the show, I want to ask you one last thing about your newest book, though. What is either one of your favorite stories or favorite things about this book that you just wrote? Well, I think one of my most fun things was how the video came about. When I wanted to do a video, I was praying about a church that might be really supportive and deep and could do it. And a couple of years ago, I went down to this Methodist church in Columbus, Georgia. And the reason I went to tell you the truth is that in the North, the Methodists generally are pretty weak. So I went down there to rescue them and yeah. to share the gospel with them. But they didn't need rescuing. They were deep. And um, God just opened doors. And these 21 women bring such depth to the video. Jesus surprised me with this. And it fits so well into the whole, the Jesus who surprises. That's good. Okay. Um, so, D, one question that I always ask that I never skip. And um, I'm going to be really interested in yours, actually, your answer. If you could go back to the younger you. Yes. What age would you go back to? And what advice would you give yourself knowing that you can't change anything, but you're going to give yourself kind of a pep talk? I would go back 
to being a young wife and mother, I think, I wonder how much better a wife and a mother I would be if I had understood heart idols, if I had not been so concerned about approval. I wonder how much better a writer I would have been in my early years if I had not been concerned about the approval of people. And so therefore, <laughs> I need to really be aware that I may crave the approval of people more than the approval of God and how foolish that is. And I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Amen. That is great advice for all of us. So appreciate that. Um, so Dee, where do we find uh, kind of this, your information, your stuff, your books? Um, how do we get a hold? Do you maybe come speak or your Bible studies? Well, I do have a website that is just my name, dbreston.com. And books and videos can be found on any of the big websites by just typing in my name. And I do have a weekly Bible study that is free and interactive with wonderful participants. Right now we're doing the Fool in Proverbs for the month of June. So, All right. Where's your weekly Bible study at? On it's Audible. at www.dbreston.com and you just click on the square that says um, join the Bible study. Oh, fun. Well, I'm excited about that. I, I can't wait to check that out. Okay. Um, so D, as we wrap up the show, I'm just curious, what piece of parting advice would you leave our, are you real audience? Oh, I always remember the saying only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm, good stuff. All right. Well, Dee, I want to thank you so much uh, for your wisdom and just the, uh, I love your heart. You just sound so sweet. If I was there, I'd give you a hug. <laughs> thank you so much. You're a great interviewer. I can see why your podcast is doing so well. Well, I appreciate that. Well, if you'll hold on just a second, Dee, as I close up the show and I uh, want to chat with you after. Warrior Nation, uh, just love you guys. I love Dee's heart and what she just shared. And I hope you get the opportunity to check out some of her books and her uh, weekly Bible study. I know I am. And uh, just see how it ministers your heart. And uh, don't forget, we have a conference coming up July 28th, uh, talking about hearing God's voice for your family life and business. Uh, so please go check that out. Get tickets. It is on our website at areyoureal.org. And uh, again, please rate and review us. It helps us out. If you take the opportunity, please share this particular show with a friend uh, who could use some encouragement. So love you guys. Remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.